Welcome back to our uh, recordings here from Church of the Palms. We took a couple weeks off during Holy Week and afterwards to kind of catch our breath. So we're glad to be back together with you again uh, as we reflect upon God's Word and wonder about God's work in our lives. And so let's now take a few minutes to prepare our hearts and minds by listening to some beautiful music. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Well, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do you do here also in your hometown the things that, were, that we have heard you do at Capernaum? And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. 
And there were also many with a skin disease in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage, and they got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm not great with dates. I don't often pinpoint people, places, and events to specific days on the calendar. I then turn to turn out to miss a lot of birthdays and um, other special occasions because I just am not good with dates. But I do remember that today is my brother's birthday. My brother Jim, or as we call him in our family, Jimmy Joe, he turns 69 today. And I also remember one of my good friend's birthdays, which is January the 20th. And I remember that because I also remember that it's Inauguration Day, the day when the newly elected president gives the inaugural address. The truth is, inaugural addresses are seldom memorable, seldom the oratory of history. How many inaugural addresses can you recall? Maybe one, maybe those of us who can recount the inaugural address of John F. Kennedy when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Some of your history buffs might recall Lincoln's second inaugural address with malice toward none and charity towards all. But for the most part, words of inauguration do not make it into the history books. The first words of a presidency often are lost to the compromise of the political process and to the moments of legislative expediency. Well, in Luke chapter 4, we have contained an inaugural address, a most memorable one, and inaugural address about which we have been talking, though, for some 2,000 years. For three and a half chapters in Luke, we read of the preparation for Jesus' ministry from Zechariah and Elizabeth to Mary and Joseph to the angels and to the shepherds and to John the Baptist and the devil. But then in verse 16, it's Jesus' turn to take the stage, and he does so in the synagogue of his hometown, Nazareth. This is where Jesus is going to give his inaugural address, right in front of the hometown crowd. So Jesus stands before the people, and they hand to him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he begins quoting from Isaiah chapter 61 with these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the people who sat in the synagogue had heard those words before. It was a favorite messianic prophecy. Undoubtedly, they understood what Jesus and Isaiah were saying when they had talked about the year of the Lord's favor, and it was a reference to the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was something that was embedded in the law of Moses right there in the middle of Leviticus 25. It was a command of God that every 50th year of Israel's history, the people were to declare a jubilee. And jubilee was a time of liberty. It was a time of emancipation. Deaths were forgiven. Slaves were freed. Property was returned to its original owner. Jubilee was a time when everyone was given another chance, a fresh start, a new life. Jubilee was a worldwide do-over. The playing field was leveled and everyone could begin again. And it was a commandment of God. Every 50 years, everyone 
was supposed to return back to their beginning. And even though it was a command of God, it never really happened. The people of Israel did not obey it. It was too hard, too complicated, too impractical, too idealistic. And they said to themselves that they would wait for the Messiah to come, that the Messiah would bring the Jubilee. And so there stands Jesus in Nazareth, quoting Isaiah 61 before the hometown crowd about bringing good news to the poor and releasing the captives, giving sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free. Picture that scene, a bunch of blurry-eyed Nazarenes sitting in the synagogue, and they've heard that scroll read over and over and over again, and they've heard the Messianic prophecies over and over again. They've heard the hope of Jubilee over and over and over again, kind of like those presidential inaugurations, wonderful platitudes, but hey, Jesus, we live in the real world. We live in the world where Jubilees just never occur. So... What is it to make this inaugural address of Jesus any different than any other inaugural dream and vision? Why is it that we're still reading and talking about this inaugural address of Jesus some 2,000 years later when we can't even remember the inaugural from two years ago? Well, I wonder if it has something to do with the word that follows Jesus' quotation of Isaiah 61. He quotes from the prophet sets the scroll down and then he says this word he says today 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 this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing the first word of jesus public ministry is the word today today this scripture this scripture about God's anointed one, this scripture about the time when good news would come to the poor, when prisoners and captives would be set free, when the blind would start to see again, when the oppressed would be released, when the jubilee would be proclaimed, Jesus said, today, not tomorrow, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And I wonder if that word is the word that makes all the difference. There's something about the word today that makes a person sit up and take notice. A student kind of sits there in class, kind of bored, and the teacher walks in and says, I hope you remember, but that your project was due today. An executive walks into her office and sees a memo that says that the company president wants to see her in his office today. A woman nine months through her pregnancy visits the doctor with pains in her back and the doctor says, oh, I think it's going to be today. A man wakes up early in the morning and after a moment realizes that today is the first day of his retirement. A little girl is awakened by her mother and told that they're leaving on their vacation to Disney today. Your supervisor walks into your office and informs you that you've just received a promotion into a new job with three times as much responsibility and three times as much expectation and three times as much pressure. Oh, and guess what? You're to begin today. A man who's been in a relationship for a long time and is yearning for a lifelong commitment and goes to his beloved and says, I need to know whether you'll be mine forever and I need to know today. Today is a word that makes you sit up and take notice. So what does it mean when Jesus walks into your life and mine and says that today is the day? Not tomorrow, not yesterday, today. 
You see, when it comes to faith, we're good with yesterday. We are good with tomorrow. In faith, we can look at yesterday and know that God redeems all of our yesterdays. He helps us to leave behind our yesterdays. And in faith, we can look to tomorrow and believe that somehow God's sovereignty will allow us to be the people we want to be. But what about today? What are you going to do about today? Today's the day when you have to do something, isn't it? Today's the day when you have to deal with who you are and what you're going to be. And, and now we have the Messiah standing in front of us with this vision of the poor not being poor anymore and the captives being set free and the blind receiving their sight and the year of Jubilee being proclaimed. And then he says, today, not tomorrow, today. A friend of mine wrote a little poem and it goes this way, procrastination is a vice. It only leads to sorrow, but I can stop at any time. I think I will tomorrow. I don't know about you, but there are some things I would rather not face up to today. So when Jesus talks about good news for the poor and release for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, the first thing I wonder about is my own poverty, the things to which I am captive, the things to which I am blind. Well, those are the things I'd rather just put off to tomorrow. But Jesus says, no, today, today I've anointed you to bring your jubilee. So is there a poverty in your spirit? Is there something to which you're captive, an unhealthy relationship, an addictive lifestyle, an obsession with material things, a pension for comfort? Are you blind to a sin within you? Are you blind to the need around you? Well, maybe you just need to be forgiven. Maybe you've been carrying around guilt for too long that you just need to be cleansed. Jesus says, I've come to bring jubilee, and it can happen today. Are you ready to let those words be true for you today? Every course of healing, every liberation from bondage, every freedom from addiction, every choice to live differently begins with someone saying, today is the day. So maybe today is the day when you ask yourself throughout the rest of this day, what will today be the beginning of for me? April 24th may be my brother's birthday Maybe today is a day that none of us will ever forget because today will have been the day of our rebirth. Let us pray. Oh Lord, why not today? Amen.